0: This is Cross Hope with Randy Snyder. Cross Hope is broadcast daily and shares five minutes of hope and encouragement from the Word of God. Our companion website is www.crosshope.org. Now with today's uplifting message, here's Randy. Well, as we continue through this coronavirus crisis, as people call it, we're praying for you. I hope you're praying for us. We continue with another message from the book of James, James five about the most sensitive area of your life. You say, What is it? Money. People are more touchy and more sensitive about money than any other subject, including sexual matters. Let's begin with part one of this message today on Crosshope. Our website is crosshope dot org. When we moved from Columbus, Ohio to Texas, somebody who moved from Texas back to the north told me, they said, Well, Randy, You need to know this about Texans. They are friendly, but it's an insincere friendliness. And that's what I went there thinking. These people are friendly, but it's insincere. But then I grew up in the Chicago area where I would take insincere friendly to sincere rudeness any day. That's my choice. I'll be glad to have insincere friendly to sincere rudeness. We're going to look at three myths about a sensitive area in your life. It's more sensitive than the most intimate part of your life that you can think of. It has to do with what the Bible says about money. This is not a sermon about giving. It's not a message about stewardship. It just happens to be right where we are in the book of James as we're preaching through the book of James. And I want you to listen to James 5, beginning at verse 1. It's exactly where we left off last week. Now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that's coming upon you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered innocent men who were not opposing you. Probably the most difficult verse is this one, verse 6. You have condemned and murdered innocent men who were not opposing you. Before I even start this message, I want to talk about this passage because of the graphic details that are given here. Was James literally saying that Christian people killed people? No, I don't think that's what he meant. I think he was using hyperbole. He was exaggerating to make a point, and I'll explain why I believe that. This system back then was a system of day laborers. We still have that today in some circles, in some countries, where a man would go out and work, and he would be paid at the end of his day for that day's labor. And the family, if they got paid on Monday, you know what that meant? They ate on Tuesday. They got paid on Tuesday night, it meant the family ate on Wednesday. Well, what would happen is when sometimes a man would work all day Monday, and the boss would say, I'll pay you tomorrow. I'll pay at the end of the week. People went without food because they didn't pay the laborers at the end of the day. I think that's what James was referencing. Wealthy people in the body of Christ who had day laborers working for them, and they weren't paying them as was the custom, and they were making them wait on their wages. And I would guess that there were people that probably did starve because of that. I can picture an elderly person living with a family, and the, the provider coming home and saying, I don't have any money, we can't buy food. And maybe an elderly person died because of that. I can picture a young child maybe needing some food, and but dad came home and said, I didn't get paid today. And there was no food for that child. So those situations perhaps did happen. But having said that, there are principles about money in this passage that I want to share with you. Well, I know these are tough times and difficult for people in a lot of different ways. I hope you'll listen tomorrow to Cross hope. That's crosshope.org. Jim was a man that I met in Columbus, Ohio. They were new Christians, new believers who started coming when I was preaching this series in Columbus out of James. After it was over, he came up to me and he said, Randy, I don't know how to explain this, but I feel after hearing you preach for six or eight weeks, that you stand outside our kitchen window and you listen to our conversations. I feel as though you overhear conversations that we have with our children. We, you hear the arguments we have. And I said, Jim, let me tell you why that is. It's because the book of James is a book of practicality about real living. And let me let me tell you, what we've dealt with already as a way of review. In the book of James, we've talked about trials and temptations. We've talked about anger. Remember, we had two messages on the subject of anger, which are the most requested messages I've ever given on the radio. We had a message on the tongue, the way we talk, a message on showing favoritism a message on mercy and forgiveness. One of the greatest issues in your life is your need to be forgiven and your need to forgive. We're a mixture of both. I think you see the point I'm making. The issues that I talked about that made him think that I was listening to conversations at his house was simply real life for all of us. And that's what Jim was saying. With that as an introduction, then, I want to give you three myths about money based out of this text, not my myths or my ideas, but out of this text. Number one, we are not accountable for what we do with our money. That's a myth. We are not accountable for what we do with our money. According to the Lord, we are. I've actually had the attitude in my life when I was younger, that as long as the Lord gets his cut, you know, my offering, what I give to him, then it doesn't matter what I do with the rest of it. That's a lie. I am accountable for everything I do with every dollar I have, and so are you. Just a minute ago, I quoted Psalm 24 that says, The earth is the Lord's. Listen carefully. This is really important. If the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, then you know what that means? My little piece of the earth belongs to the Lord. My little piece of property belongs to the Lord. Our house belongs to the Lord. My income, everything belongs to the Lord. Why? Because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof is the way that King James phrases it. It all belongs to Him. And so when I hear a person say, I'm not accountable for what I do with our money, we are accountable. Here's an analogy I used in the first service. Those of you that have ever worked with a financial planner, maybe an accountant, maybe an insurance person, and what if they called you one day with about your money, and they said this, um, just want to tell you that I'm not going to tell you what I'm doing with 60 to 70% of your funds. I'll tell you what I'm doing with 20 or 30%, but I'm going to keep you in the dark about the rest of it. you'd say, wait, time out. That's our money you're talking about. You can't keep that a secret from me when you say I'm going to keep a secret about what I'm doing with your money. That's what we do to the Lord when we say, we know you own it all if the earth is the Lord's, but I'm going to do what I want to do with everything I have. All I'm saying is this, that's a myth. That is a myth. According to the Lord, we are accountable for everything we do with everything. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, I believe, that we're going to stand before the Lord and give an account for everything we've done in life. Well, I think giving and accounting will be given an account for what we've done with our money. I really believe that. I don't mean that in a scary way. Just if I'm going to give an account for my life, then I would think the Lord says, give an account for what you did with the funds I gave you while you were on earth. Well, my guess is some of you will say, I've never heard some of this before about money or my money and God's part in my money and God's involvement in what I own. This message will continue tomorrow on CrossHope. Our website, of course, is crosshope.org. Well, according to the Doubleday Dictionary, a myth is a false opinion or a false belief. What false opinions or beliefs have you lived with in your own life, if you're honest enough to admit it? What myths are you operating under right now? We talk about three myths from James 5, myths about money that people hold. It has nothing to do with being a Christian or not a Christian. It has to do with your relationship to your money, the most important thing in most people's lives. We're going to continue with the second myth today from James 5, 1 to 7, about money in your life and how it impacts relationships and the people around you. God bless you as you listen to part three today. Let's bring up the second one money and the things money can buy are permanent. That is a myth. Nothing is permanent. Everything is temporary. I know James uses some exaggeration when he says that gold and silver corrode because they really don't. But in terms of eternity, they do. Everything corrodes in terms of eternity. Anything you compare to eternity to God, remember, is nothing. Everything is temporary. It's temporal. It's of this world. The only thing that's permanent is that which comes from the Lord. And whatever you may think is important in your life, whatever you may think is valuable, remember this, it's not permanent unless it's connected to Jesus Christ. The only two things you will take with you when you die, in my opinion, I may be wrong on this, but the only two things you take with you when you die are your relationship to the Lord and your relationship to people. I think we take those things with us. Will we recognize family in heaven? Sure you will. Why wouldn't you recognize your family in heaven? Our knowledge will be made perfect in heaven, the Bible says. Why wouldn't we know people in heaven? I think you'll know everybody because we'll have perfected knowledge in heaven, the Bible says. The only things you take with you when you leave this earth, your relationship to Christ and your relationship to people. Let's bring up the third myth before we wrap this up. Money doesn't affect relationships is a big myth. And I have parenthetically, are you kidding? Money does impact relationships. You have had relationships in your life that were negatively impacted one way or the other because of money that was borrowed, money that was given, money that was received, money that was owed, the list goes on. And you know that relationships have been affected by money. If you were here a few weeks ago, I told you about meeting a man in Columbus, Ohio, who in 10 years told me he went from abject poverty to becoming a multimillionaire in 10 years. So it's not a long time to go from one extreme to the other. It's a very brief time. And you may remember me telling you, he said, I have two responses from my family. I've got relatives that won't speak to me that used to speak to me, now that I've got this money, they won't have anything to do with me. It's called reverse snobbery. They snub him in terms of not speaking to him. He said, I've got that reaction, Randy. And the other reaction is I've got cousins I've never met before who call me on the phone and say, I need your help with a business deal. i got a great idea for a new venture. Can you help me with some capital, some money? And he said, that's the reaction I've had because of money. Money does impact relationships. And relationships have been impacted in your life in a negative way because of money. And listen carefully. Money can impact your relationship with the Lord, with the living God. Well, could you make every effort to hear parts four and five tomorrow and Friday on Cross Because we're going to wrap up with some powerful illustrations, and I think powerful points about money's impact on your life, the most sensitive area in a man's life, a woman's life or a young person's life is money. We're touchy about money. We're sensitive about money, even when we pretend that we're not. Our website is crosshope.org. That's one word, crosshope.org. I begin today's program talking about a seminar speaker who talked about a husband and wife at a restaurant. See if this story doesn't speak to you about what's important to you in your life. He says an interesting thing about the relationship between a husband and wife. He said a husband and wife can be out at a restaurant. And let's use this as the wall of the restaurant. The husband has his back to the wall at the table, and so he's looking out into the restaurant. The wife is facing her husband and as well, just facing the wall. He said that the average wife is savvy enough and smart enough just by looking into the face of her husband, she can tell when her husband is looking at another woman. She doesn't have to smell perfume. She doesn't have to hear footsteps. She doesn't have to hear any conversation. A woman can tell when her husband is looking at another woman. And then he makes this point very dramatically. God knows what has your eye. God knows what has your eye. He knows what has my eye. He knows what our eyes are fixed on in terms of the temporal or the temporary. He knows if your eyes are fixed on this world rather than eternity. He knows if it's fixed on what you own rather than your relationship to the God who made you. He knows that your eyes are focused on the temporary rather than your family. All of that to say this, God knows what matters to you because He knows our hearts. And He knows what we're looking at. He knows what we're focused on. He knows what we're obsessed over. He knows about what we think about all the time. Wayne Smith, for years, was a minister in Lexington, Kentucky. He had two daughters. One was 10 or 12 at the time, and it was her birthday. She said, Dad, I want a new bicycle want a new bike for my birthday. So Wayne Smith went through the Lexington Leader Herald newspaper, whatever it's called in Lexington, and he pulled out some ads out of the newspaper. And he found an ad for the cheapest bicycle he could find at any store. And it was at a store. Do any of you remember the old Western Auto stores? I don't know. They used to be around. I remember seeing them in Kentucky years ago in the Cincinnati area, Western Auto. He found a bike an ad with a coupon for a girl's bicycle, stripped down version, nothing, no bells and whistles, just your basic girl's bike. And he ripped out the coupon and said to the store clerk, I want this bike at this price. Have you ever done that? And the the salesman there at Western Auto said, "Uh, sir, who is this bike for? And he said, what's for my daughter? And the salesman said, well, tell me about your daughter. He told her about her age, he got out a picture, and he described what she was involved in in school activities. And he listened for a couple of minutes, and then the salesman said to Wayne Smith, "You know, if your daughter is the kind of girl I think she is, I think she deserves a better bike than this one." Wayne Smith said he ended up spending twice the amount of money of the coupon. I know what some of you are saying. That guy was a good salesman. He knew how to upsell. That's not the point of his story at all. Here's the point of the story. I know you're Christ. I know my Christ. I know your Lord and what He did for you on the cross. I know what He did for me on the cross. I know the price that was paid for your sin. I know the price that was paid for my sin. And my point is this. I think the Lord deserves more than a lot of us give Him. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about your life. Well, do either one of those stories connect with you emotionally or psychologically? I think they do. The first one speaking to husbands and wives. The second one about a father and daughter relationship ought to open the door to what money means in our lives. This message concludes tomorrow on CrossHope, our website, crosshope.org. He didn't die for us so that we could be occasional visitors to his kingdom like occasional visitors to Disney World. He didn't die for me on the cross so that I could visit his presence once in a while, like I go to King's Island or some other place, you know, occasionally drop in. He died that I might be a kingdom man and that you might be a kingdom man or kingdom woman, meaning what? That you're a part of the kingdom of God. You're part of something bigger than a local church. It's called called the kingdom. At the end of the message this morning at the first service, I shared there's another myth that I want to talk about. It's a powerful thing to talk about, even though it won't come up on the screen. I think there's the myth that as long as you live a good life, that's all you need to get into heaven. I don't know how many funerals I've had over the years where a family comes to me before the service and they give me their list and said, well, here's all the organizations that they belong to. We want you to read this, Randy. Here's the service record, and here's his employment or her employment record. And this is where what they belong to in the community and civic and fraternal organizations. And there's a part of me that understands that. There's a part of me that relates to it, but there's part of me that inside my heart, I know that this list doesn't make any difference. You know what matters more than anything about you going to heaven or my going to heaven is what Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross. And my acceptance and plugging into that and saying, I accept what he did for me. That's what it means to believe in Jesus Christ. You accept everything he did as he did it for you. You want to know the truth about becoming a Christian? You say that all that stuff I read about, all that stuff they talk about, that was for me. That's what it means to become a Christian. And someday you will come to the place in your life, hopefully, where you realize that it's not about your list. It's about what Jesus did on Calvary. It's not about the list of accomplishments or the list of organizations or your resume. It's not about any of that. It's about accepting and obeying the God who loves you more than you love yourself. That's what it's about. And so the greatest myth of all is not about money. The greatest myth of all is that somehow we can earn salvation by what we do. And you know what I tell people? If that's true... Here's the problem with that theory. If somehow I can give God my list and the Lord says you're welcome into heaven, then that means Jesus died for nothing. Do you understand that? If I somehow can do it on my own with my accomplishments and my resume, then what in the world did Jesus die for? He died that I might have forgiveness of sins. God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Paul said, Christ died for the ungodly. That's the greatest demonstration of all, of love. And He did that for you, ungodly people like you and ungodly people like me. Today, this day, don't buy the myth that it's all up to you. Accept the reality that it's up to what Christ did on the cross. And that's all it is, accepting what He did, obeying what He did on Calvary. Well, over the last month, you've undoubtedly heard as I have of question being asked, you know, when's the economy going to open up again? When's the business world? When are the restaurants? When is this or that going to open up? So today on May the 1st, 2020, I ask you another question that's even more important. When is your heart and mind and spirit going to open up to the living God through his son, Jesus Christ? That's the question. That's the most important question you'll ever answer. Has your heart, mind, and soul opened up to the one who gave his life for you. His name is Jesus. Our website is crosshope.org. It's one word, crosshope.org. I pray that you'll listen again next week to Crosshope. Thanks for listening today. You've been listening to Crosshope with Randy Snyder. For more information about this ministry or to re-listen to any message heard on this broadcast, go to our website at crosshope.org. Be sure to join us at this same time each weekday or listen at www.crosshope.org. Cross Hope is listener supported and is produced by Cross Hope Ministries Incorporated.